Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So uh, if, you, if you missed the, these first two sessions this morning, it's, it'll be so good to get them because probably two of the most important messages you could hear in your life are never to be intimidated by reading the Bible and how to see it in context and just some skills that would just would save people so much pain in their life. You know, the Bible is the most dangerous book on the planet. If you misread it and misquote it, it traumatizes people. It starts wars. It starts things like apartheid in South Africa. It was based on a misinterpretation of Genesis. And so the Holocaust, all kinds of things have been done in the name of the Bible, but the Bible out of context. And we have to live as believers, not feeling guilty about the past, but the way to change the future is decisions we make now. And I think there's still nations that will still give us a bit of a hard time because of some of the reputation of Christianity in the past. Uh, also with great reputations, amazing people in the past. But uh, we need to really, really, really know the Bible in its context. Can anyone say amen? Now, when I'm teaching now and I'm talking, I'm not <laughs> I am not trying to instruct you. <laughs> And I'm not trying to do anything like that. All I'm wanting to do is build receptivity in your spirit. Okay, because this is about receiving impartation from heaven. Can you say amen? Now, Rob, we got it all inside you. Yeah, but the glory of the Lord will rise upon you. And also, the New Testament speaks continuously about receiving. In fact, in Hebrews 12, it says, for we are receiving, present continuous tense, we are receiving an unshakable kingdom. And how many of you know that a lot of things are shaking today? And so we need to keep receiving an unshakable kingdom. So in the kingdom, you don't achieve anything, you receive. And it's not about what you do, it's about how you receive. So Romans 5, 17 says we reign or we rule in life by receiving the gift of righteousness and abundance of grace. And in Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified because faith comes by hearing and hearing about the finished work of the cross. Romans 10, 17 says, Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if you go two verses before, it's talking about believing the report of the finished work of the cross. It says not everyone has believed it. And if you read Isaiah 53, it starts off in the first verse saying, And who has believed in his report? For he that believes in the report of the finished work of the cross, it said to them, the arm of the Lord will be revealed, which means his power is revealed to you. And so Paul says, you're foolish because you've been deceived by occultic powers and you've gone back to the law. And so the next verse, verse two, he says, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then verse five, he says, does God supply spirit to you? The Greek word supply, I'm told is epigurio, which means epic proportions of present continuous supply in large amounts of the spirit to do miracles and work wonders amongst you. Paul says, did you receive the supply of the spirit that works miracles amongst you, Galatians, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So what I want to do is just talk for a little while, waffle around, um, and Chad will 
put it all into context at the no. <laughs> I feel I can be so irresponsible now because Chad, he did such a good job. No, <laughs> he did a great job. But the way you receive is just by saying yes. Every promise God has made is yes in Christ Jesus. And through us, the amen is spoken to the glory of God. So it's not like you're trying to solicit responses because we're insecure, but there's something about responding to the word of God, deliberately leaning in and saying, yes. See, when God makes a promise to you and he says, I'm going to bless you and you're going to bless the nations of the earth. It's so big, but we still shouldn't say how. Don't ask God for the strategy. If he says, I'm calling you in Christchurch to do this, 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 and that, and see an effect across the whole of New Zealand and beyond, don't say how, just say yes. Because when you say how, you, you, you release a resistance to the promise. But when you say yes, you release receptivity, and the promise comes clothed with power. And when you say yes, not knowing how you're going to do it, in the next few days or weeks, the strategies will come. But first you must say yes. Now, I know Mary said, how can I be pregnant? I have no man. So, but in her defense, when she heard something no one had ever heard before was the angel of the Lord says to her, or Michael, Gabriel, Gabriel said to her, the power of the Most High will overshadow you and will conceive. And she said, let it be done to me as you've said. And she conceived. Because she didn't say, she said how once, and then she realized, hmm. I need to say yes. What an amazing thing for a, a virgin, teenager to say yes. Because she'd never find anything like that in scripture. Yeah. And she said yes. And instantly she said yes. God started releasing thousands of wise men. It wasn't three. It was three gifts categories. Thousands of wise men started moving. It took them nine months to get there. They started moving. All kinds of, of resources come to you. The moment you say yes. <laughs> Can you say yes? yes? I'll say yes, yes, yes. So I want to talk about the five realms of God's wealth that he's given to us already. And it's not complicated. And I want to do it quickly. Um, number one, the number one realm of God's wealth is his blood. His blood is the blood of God. It's not the blood of man. It's the blood of uncreated spirit. In Acts 19, Paul writes and says to the elders there, he says, the church has been bought by the blood of God. So the blood of God is uncreated spirit is the origin of the blood of Jesus. So any spirit realm that's finite and fallen, whenever the manifestation of the blood is made manifest, the wealth of God is being revealed and made powerful. Abel's blood called out in advocacy against Cain's murderous spirit. Cain thought he could get away with doing what he did to Abel. But when he arrived, God said, hey, where, where, how's your brother Abel? And Cain started lying and pretending. And God says, your brother's blood is calling out to me from heaven. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that the, we've come to Jesus and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus is the substance of Passover. In the Passover blood put on the doorpost and lintels, when the angel of death came, it didn't look to see how moral they were inside the house. It didn't look to see how immoral they were. It just looked to see if there was blood applied on the house. 
and then they passed over. So there are, there are, there are, in the blood of Jesus, there is the supernatural abilities of God to absolutely overcome our enemies. It says they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb. I'm so glad they didn't overcome the, the devil by their behavior. They overcame the devil by believing and decreeing and declaring the blood of the lamb of God. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, it says we have been redeemed through the forgiveness of sin by the blood according to the riches of his grace. Now, how, how do you understand the riches of grace from a God who's infinite? He has infinite, you, there, there's, there's no limit to God. And yet the blood carries, or is, it a, is according to the riches of his grace. So if you sinned a trillion times a day, you'd be amazing to do, be able to do that. But if you sinned a trillion times a day, that is still a finite number. And we have forgiveness according to, in accordance with the riches of his grace through the blood of Jesus. And so these five sequences of God's wealth, they actually are not a hierarchical ladder that you climb up and get more and more like important. They're actually just a sequence and that you, that you, that you sequence through and you get into the realms, the ultimate realm of the fifth level, and it's not level there, it's just a, a consciousness that comes upon your life. I don't think the early church, the first century church, got to the fifth level or the fifth realm. I think they were in the fourth realm at their best, and uh, Paul was still writing to them in the book of Ephesians about these realms, and he, and he, they was, he was exhorting them to get move into that fifth realm. So I believe that we at the climax and the consummation of the ages, we can, we can understand by revelation and become receptive, and we can then walk in these realms. And I believe that before Jesus comes again, we're going to see constant, continuous manifestation of the fifth realm. Now, you want to say, Rob, just get to that fifth realm now. Tell us what it is. See, people want to operate all the results of the fifth realm without understanding the four other realms that you sequence and understand, and you walk in them. And so people get discouraged because they're saying, well, why aren't we seeing more and more and more? But we will see that very effortlessly and easily as we step into these five realms. Okay, are you guys still with me? The blood of Jesus is applied. And the blood of Jesus we read last night in Hebrews 10, by one application, you're made perfect forever. That's how powerful this blood is. So do you apply the blood for constant forgiveness? No, you don't. You just thank God for the blood. In the old covenant, they'd use hyssop, which is a piece of wood, and they'd apply the blood and sprinkle the blood over everything. That's the shadow. In the spirit, our faith applies the blood over our lives, not as a fear thing, but as a consciousness thing. When I start talking to myself about the blood, I feel a shift in the very atmosphere around my head. As I talk about the blood, something shifts. And so what they did in Leviticus, they would then take the blood and, and wherever the blood was applied, they would then apply anointing oil. So the blood brings you into the realms of the anointing, the second realm of God's wealth. Amen. And I could talk for hours and hours on the anointing. Last year I was here, I spoke about Isaiah 61 and talked about how the anointing, you know, blesses and powers us. And the anointing brings good news to the poor because they don't need to be poor anymore for the power of the, of the anointing produces wealth. You know, Deuteronomy 8.18, God says to Israel, remember when you come to the promised land, it is I that give you the power to 
to produce wealth, to confirm my covenant that I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there is, there is a power in the anointing that carries the blessing to, to be wealthy. Now, it's not about greed, and it's not about the love of money. Uh, most people that don't have money love money, but uh, the, the blessing of God is for resourcing for the purpose of the gospel and to bless you. So the anointing will bring the wealth of God. It attracts wealth into your life. The anointing of God heals the brokenhearted, which is a good thing, don't you think? The anointing integrates fractured hearts. The, every day I call and invite the anointing on my life. Every day. Every day I lift my hands and I say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. And then electricity, like heavenly voltage, comes all over my body. I physically feel the quickening, tangible power and presence of the Lord. I'm glad I know how to do that. It's just like this, Holy Spirit, come. Boom, there you go. On me now. Okay, sometimes I have to lean against the wall in my study when I invite him to come. But anyway, I was in America last year uh, or the year before in New Jersey. And I was in a, 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 the pastor's home, sleeping in their house with Glenda. And... Uh, uh, and uh, suddenly I felt something come on me I've never felt before. I, I personally believe it was a spirit of heaviness. It was a demonic attempt to kill me. It was a demonic spirit came on me. I felt my whole body was going to instantly go into convulsions. I've never had epileptic fits, but I felt that my whole body was going to literally start convulsing. And it was the most airy feeling I've ever felt in my life. Never felt it before. And it, I knew this is like death coming at me. The pastor of that house sadly died three months later in that same house. But I tell you, I felt death coming on me. So I, I, I said to Glenn, Glenn, just go out the room and go downstairs and go and be with uh, the pastors, the couple. And she said, why? I said, please don't talk, just go. And I was really embarrassed because I didn't want her to see me die. And I didn't want her to see me convulsing. I didn't want that in her memory. So she, she, she's a good wife and she obeyed me for once. <laughs> She said, yes. She said, yes. Not why. She said, yes. She didn't say how. She said, yes. And so she went out and I said, Lord, what must I do now? He said, do what you do every day. Just lift your hands and invite my anointing. I said, okay. Lifted my hands. Tangible power of God came on me so powerfully. Within five seconds, all of that intense feeling just gone. I said, thank you, Jesus. Walked, opened the door, walked down I'm not saying I agree with this politics or whatever. It's not the issue. But I walked down the steps like a bomb. I came out of airplane. I just came walking down the steps like just so happy. Walked into the, into the dinner and said, Glenn, I said, are you okay? I said, I'm absolutely fine. It's never happened again. I'm so glad I know about that second realm. That the anointing you minister to others, you need to feed on it as well for yourself. The anointing sets at liberty them that are bruised. There's no more excuse for us to stay brokenhearted and bruised. For the anointing, as I said last year, is not for a Sunday sedative. It's not a little tranquilizer. It's much more powerful than that. It's there to heal us. It's there to touch our hearts. It's there to open prison doors and summon us to ever-expanding horizons of favor, freedom, and fruitfulness. That's what the anointing do. It'll just open prison doors. The anointing destroys yokes of bondage and lifts burdens off your shoulders. There's times when I lift my hands, there's such intense stress on me that I feel like, I feel like dying. I just, I just can't take it anymore. I'm just jet lagged, exhausted, poured out around the earth. Now I'm leading a local church, issue, 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 issue. And I just feel so overwhelmed and just lift my hands. Holy Spirit, come. doesn't take hours of praying. Don't pray to get into the power. In the new covenant, start in the power when you pray, right from the beginning. It's much easier to start a prayer meeting in the power of God than work yourself up into the power. You don't need to work yourself up. You can wake up at three in the morning, say, Holy Spirit, come. Power, tangible tangible power. Amen. We heard about the vine this morning. 
Hey? We're not like we're not like a tank that gets give out, give out, and then the, the, the anointing goes into half, and then we need to get refilled again. No, we just we're in the vine. We just there's a constant flow of anointing in the new covenant. Amen. So people pray, I want to fast for 21 days to get the anointing. No, start on the first day in the anointing. Amen. So that, that's the flow. The wealth that is in the anointing goes on about it. The anointing brings jubilee. The, the anointing removes the, uh, the spirit of heaviness and gives you the oil of gladness. And the anointing takes away our ashes, which is we burnt out, burnt out marriages, burnt out past, burnt out ashes. Takes away ashes and gives us beauty for ashes. The anointing will make you attractive, beautify you. Amen. Some people under the anointing, physically they may not look so great, but the anointing, just, you're just attracted to them. <laughs> it's just something about it. Amen. Isn't the anointing wonderful? Just lift your hand and say, Lord, beautify me right now in the anointing. I say, yes, Lord. I, I, I just I receive beauty. You know, God's, God is the ultimate definition of beauty. It, it makes us attractive and it goes on and on, but then he says what the purpose of the anointing is. The anointing, is to establish us as oaks of righteousness for the display of a splendor. And the next verse says, so you can rebuild the broken cities. And these three, rebuild, renew, and lift up. See, some people just want the anointing for self-indulgence. No, look, take the anointing for, for, to, to, to live a free life and a big life and a happy life because it's the oil of gladness. Just, there's people that if they don't hang around the anointing for a couple of days, they start getting depressed. Mental problems start coming. You need the anointing every single day. There's a 24-hour grace package for every single day. Don't borrow off tomorrow and don't reach out into the past. Today is the day of so Today, take anointing every day. Lift your hands and say, Father, let the anointing come. And it goes on and on and on. So the anointing consecrates us to go into the third realm. And people need to understand the third realm is the realm of His glory. Now, the anointing is what God does on a human vessel. The anointing is about the acts of God, the power of God made manifest through human beings. And you need the anointing for marriage, raising kids, reading the Bible. You need the anointing for everything, working, whatever. You need the anointing every single day. Can you say amen? amen. And the anointing is what God does through human beings because God doesn't work in a vacuum. He works in partnership with people. So we prophesy on the anointing, pray for the sick in the anointing. We work in the anointing. We live in the anointing. We walk in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, therefore walk in the Spirit, which means live dependent on the presence of the anointing. But that anointing consecrates you and enables you to go into the realm of the glory. Now, the glory is not what God does through man. The glory is who God is. It's His manifest tangible substance of His very goodness. And in that third realm, when the glory manifests, you can feel uh, when there's no anointing in, in the room, it's not manifest. The anointing is not manifest. It's, he's in the room, but he's not manifest. In the, when the anointing comes, you can feel it. Let me give you an example. On Sunday morning, even though we're in the new covenant, we don't all come in and just start worshiping God in high praises. Maybe you do here, but I don't know many churches that do that. Uh, we have got a good culture of worship in our house. But I tell you, when people come in, they, they, they just kind of come in as individuals and people worship in the anointing, but then it, then it gets stronger and becomes corporate and it goes into the high praises. 
When the high praises come, it's our praises on earth are equating to the praises in heaven. And so then heaven smashes through everything and destroys everything like an opera singer pitching their voice at the same constituency as a wine glass. And the wine glass goes. So when the high praises come, God wrecks havoc on our enemies. And then the corporate anointing comes because that's what you want. Even the way we arrange our seating, we want everyone to feel they're not worshiping as individuals, but as a community in a, in a, in a consensus, in a, co- a consensus. And when the corporate anointing comes, there is, it, it, it comes a level more and more people are aware of the anointing, even unbelievers are. And then the garment of praise comes upon us. And when the garment of praise comes upon us, everything rockets to another level. So we don't stay at one level. The anointing ascends all the time. The goal and the desire is to break in from the anointing. You go into the realm of the glory. And then man doesn't have, women don't have to do anything. Because in the glory, God just heals people spontaneously. And I've seen that over and over again. You work in the anointing, you get exhausted praying for people. But when the glory comes, you just can sit down and then God does it all. And he just comes to people in their chairs and open their blind eyes and make their legs healed. And we want to coach the church more and more to know the realm of the glory. Amen. And I could tell you stories and stories and stories about that realm and what it's done and in China and when we went there and things. And oh, the, when the glory came, everyone believed the truths of grace because they saw signs and wonders manifest without man's working. When people just get healed and stuff happens, signs and wonders, and human beings haven't laid their hands on them, people realize, wow, the glory comes in response to grace. For grace brings an ever-increasing glory. Amen? So I'm on the fourth one now. In the glory, whenever the glory comes, you'll always hear angels. You'll either hear them with your spirit, or you'll even hear them with your ears. And several times now, Glenda and I have been in places where we can hear the angels sing. It's just the most beautiful sound. And then we had people rush out afterwards. What was that beautiful sound? And we said, those are the angels singing because the glory here. Wherever the glory is, the angels come. Wherever angels are, the glory comes. The glory is the eternal realm breaking into the time-space world. The glory, the glory of God is running in to New Zealand. Can you say Amen. See, you feel it's gone a little bit more still now. You might have just fallen asleep. But you feel it's gone a little bit still now because the, the glory is starting to manifest. Yeah. Which is, is, when it says, be still for I am God, that's the glory. You just go into tranquility, stillness. It says when the glory came on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples fell asleep. So it's not wrong to fall asleep. And the voice of God always speaks in the realm of the glory. When Paul bumped into Jesus... On the Damascus road, he heard the voice of Jesus. It's very easy to hear the voice of Jesus in the glory, the audible inward voice. Some of you will hear his audible voice today in your spirit because of the glory. As Gideon said, when we were in America last year up in Colorado, 700 senior pastors, and I spoke for half an hour on these five realms. And then right at the end, I just stood on the platform and just released and there were 700 students there as well from Caris Bible School, so nearly one and a half thousand people. The glory of God just manifested over the whole place. And so many leaders ran out and said, how did you get this sequence? How did you get this? And so 
And they all asked to come and preach. And I said, I can't. I've read my schedule's full already. But many of them will come to our conferences next year in New Jersey, Tennessee, and Birmingham, Alabama. In this year, sorry, this year, in September. July. <laughs> See, that's why, I, that's why I said before, I, if without Glenn, I wouldn't even, I would never have got out of the pine town, the city I was born in. I'd still be there. I'd still be there wearing my hippie clothes. But anyway... <laughs> With my braided bell bottoms. <laughs> ah. You know that God's crowned us with glory and honor? You know the thing of a halo? It's not a Catholic thing. It's a very real thing. You'll see it over people's heads sometimes. It's the glory. He's crowned us with glory and honor. He had a crown of thorns so we can be crowned with glory and honor. Amen. You talk about the blood, you can talk about the seven places where Jesus shed his blood. Every one of those places is a manifestation. So when I got back, I said to, to, to my son in grace, Sean, who's married my daughter, uh, the only man worthy to marry my daughter. And um, I, I, he said to me, Dad, do you, do, you, do you want to do something on this series? I said, yeah. And so he set up a studio and I spoke for seven hours except for two short toilet breaks. I, I, I stood up for seven hours and just preached on these five realms. You're getting it quickly. But if you listen on our website, you can get, it's been cut into 24 sections. So you can listen to 10, 15, 20 minutes, some are just 10 minutes. You can listen to one a day and just go through all 21. And there's no beautiful background music to make you get goosebumps. It's just the word being preached and reading the scriptures in the context. And you'll see this, the sequence, the revelation just opens up to you. And uh, so you can, you, can, you can just walk in a realm, in these realms. And, and it's not just about individuals. The whole church has to come into this realm. So in the realm of glory, we can see that in Ephesians chapter 3. Is this okay, guys? You still tracking with me? Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, you know, we ask the father of the whole family in heaven and on earth, bow my knee before him. And he talks about praying that he would uh, uh, impart into our innermost being out of the riches of his glory. Say riches of his glory. That's what he says in Ephesians, out of the riches of his glory. And Philippians 4 says uh, that God meets all of your needs according to, which means in sync with, in accordance with the riches of of his glory that are in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? That God does not meet your needs according to your needs. He meets your needs according to his riches in glory that are in Christ Jesus. So Napoleon Bonaparte was riding past a peasant one day, as they were called then, who was a beggar. And Napoleon said to his general, give him this bag of gold. Just a whole bag of gold. The general said, man, you could have given him you know, a little coin. And he said, I know I could have, but I give according to the fact I'm an emperor. God meets our needs according to his riches in glory that are in Christ Jesus. So we need, to, we need to know the realm of the glory. The church is waking up to and becoming aware of the blood a little bit and becoming more aware of the anointing and how the anointing flows. But the church needs to be more and more conscious of how to move into the glory because that's where resources to touch the nations. We need hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to touch the nations, to impact the nations. Can you say amen? In that, and so he says in Ephesians 3, he says that the Father would, out of the riches of his glory, he would strengthen you with might in your innermost being. So in the realm of the glory, there's a strength with might. The glory is the lift of my head, David says. 
the glory lifts your head. The glory will strengthen you with might. Out of the riches of his glory, he will strengthen you with might in your innermost being. So that together with all the saints, the believers, you will have power through the riches of his glory, working strength into your innermost being. That Therefore, together with all the believers, Paul writes, he says, you will have the power to know by revelation that, that surpasses knowledge. It goes beyond knowledge. Reason must rest in revelation. So know what is the heart, the depth, the length, and the breadth of Christ. This is, this is, the, this is the fourth realm, is, is, is when you come into the glory regularly as a congregation and these certain flows that you do in worship and you understand how these things sequence without, without making a formula. And so you come into revelation of heart, depth, length, and breadth of the love of Christ, which is the fourth realm. And it's, it is not just Jesus loves me and I can feel his love a little bit. It is four dimensions and it has to be done as a community together with the saints. You come in that realm of glory and you strengthen with might in your innermost being so that you know that which surpasses knowledge, but it is by revelation what is the heart, depth, length, and breadth of the love of Christ. And that will take you into the fifth one, and that's where we're heading. The fifth one. As a result of that fourth one, he says, Then God, then you'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And he will be able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think or imagine according to the power that works within you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. This is God's will. We, we, people pray, Lord, do exceedingly abundantly above. And, and we, I don't know if we realize what that really means. Because Jesus said, the works I do, you'll do also, and even greater works. So already on the planet, there are people walking on the water, people turning water into wine, foods being multiplied. There are manifest glory in the earth, but uh, it's 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 going in that fifth realm. That's what that's what I live for to to move in my in my own being and to move churches and places around the earth into that fifth realm. Because that's the realm where whole nations will bow their knees to Jesus. For three years, that realm of glory covered Wales, and they just fell on their knees in the streets. Drunkards and wife beaters fell on their face before the glory of God. So let me, let me close with this, again, well-known story. I'm going to give it to you in a few minutes. Receptivity. Anyone can receive. It would be unfair if some people had a, a temperament that didn't allow them to receive. We've got Cathay pilots in our church who have to be very wired, very calm people to fly planes. And because of that, they, they sometimes struggle, just their temperament. But when I teach people how to receive, our pilots receive now. And, 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 and they received dramatically. One pilot said to me, He's actually a New Zealander. He's a Kiwi. He's a handsome man and he's not married. But anyway, well, the Chinese girl's very happy with this New Zealand man. I laid hands on him once and he flew back through the air and he said, Rob, 
didn't say it with my accent, he said it with Kiwi accent. When he got up off the floor, I can fly. <laughs> I can fly. Well, he said something like that, but even better than that. He said, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. He, got, he, was, he was unconscious for about two hours. And he said, you know, I felt like the thrust of these Boeing's engines when we take off. He said, I felt something, a thrust greater than that. He said, I just don't. He said, I can't put into words beyond that. And, and I was recently somewhere else in another city, I'm not going to tell you, and, uh, and, and I was laying hands upon people, and I was amazed just at the lack of receptivity in people. They just don't know how to receive because they all pull from their heads. But you are a spirit being inside a physical body and you have a soul. You have psychology and emotions and consciousness. But actually you're a spirit being made in the image of God. God is spirit. And your spirit is the, has got a hand called faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith is not fantasy. It's a substance. You already got it in your spirit by hearing the word. And faith pulls from your spirit, not your head. You, if you could understand God with your head, you'd be God. He cannot be understood. Reason has to rest in revelation. It's okay to reason, but let reason rest in revelation. And the whole church needs to learn how to be much more receptive to the invisible world. Because faith is a substance of things hopeful. Without faith, you can hope for so many things. It's never going to happen. Because you've got to put substance to your faith. Faith is a substance of things hopeful. The evidence of things not seen. So, I can't see it, but I've got evidence that it's real. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, we, we walk by faith. We walk not by the things that we see, for they're temporary. We walk by the things that are unseen, for they are eternal. So the things you can see are temporary, Paul says. They are subject to change. Cancer is subject to change. It's supposed to be Temporary. It's not even supposed to come to your body. And I know there's someone here today, because I know this by natural knowledge. I hope you are, because we're going to pray for you. But that's an illegal thing. Every time that, when people say, well, I open my life to the devil, I haven't got the time to unpack that theologically, but you cannot open your life to the devil. Jesus closed that door forever. Hey, listen, under shadow, if the angel of death could not touch the Israelites because of shadow blood of an animal, how dare he touch those who washed in the blood of God? How dare. And I, I said last night, because some of the people talk on the courts of heaven, not all, but some that I, people give me the teaching and I listen to it. And I think this is some good stuff here, but I cringe when they put the law back on it. So I've, I did eight teachings in English. It's on my website. We did it on Thursday night. I did eight teachings on going into the courts of heaven. You can go into the throne of grace, but these courts... And you can get a verdict from the finished work of the cross to deal with your adversary, like the little widow that went to an unjust judge and cried out and cried and finally he gave her justice. See, once, once the court of heaven rules in your favor, you don't need to go out in the battlefield and rebuke devils. Once you go to the courtyard and your cases, get a, you get a, a verdict of, of innocence and, 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 and the criminal is exposed, you don't have to go and shoot the criminal. You don't have to fight them. The government will sort them out. Once you get a verdict, you're always going to get a favorable verdict in Christ before the courts of heaven. 
and your adversary is coming at you and trying to split your marriage or children or making people sick and robbing your finances and stuff, you need to go and get justice. Because Jesus said, hey, if an unjust judge will listen to this woman, then how much more will those that my called people who cry out to me night and day get justice swiftly against their adversaries? So I would encourage you to go listen to that eight teachings because it's all about getting justice against an illegal adversary. The devil's got no legal rights. He's got no, he's got no legitimacy. He's got no title deeds to the earth anymore. He's got no authority. Anytime he uses his authority, he's using it illegally. He's a criminal and he must be held to account by the church to pay for his crimes. He has stopped revival in Hong Kong. Since it's been, Hong Kong's been going for about 100 and something years. He stopped revival, just put legalism on the city, constant legalism, crushed the Chinese people in our city. It's such, so much depression in such a well-organized city. Well, we're holding, we're holding it. The ecclesia, the church, means the people who sit at the gates and decide what is allowed into the city and what must leave the city. The devil's an illegal squatter in Christ church. He's been wrecking havoc in people's lives, blinding them to the true gospel, stopping them getting saved. And the church needs to know how to go into the courts and get a just ruling against your enemies. Amen? And you'll get justice. And so now we're seeing things shift in Hong Kong. And these new reports coming out about people looking for grace. They're looking for the gospel in our city. We're sitting on a gold mine in Hong Kong. Eight million people on a geographical pinprick. And the courts of heaven are ruling in our favor. The ecclesia, the church. Amen? So receptivity, say receptivity. So if I finish at three, we've got an hour to minister. So please don't look for my hands, look for his hands. So here's the thing about receptivity. You've all heard the story a thousand times before. I've probably told it to you at least many times. But just listen to it again. Let's go up. Every time you come around, come to a higher perspective. Mark chapter 5, the little lady with an issue of blood. She suffered at the hands of many doctors. And instead of getting better, she grew worse. She spent all her money. She was economically disempowered, suffering with blood flow, very death, death-like disease. And then it says she heard about Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing about who Jesus is. And I can only speculate what she heard, but pretty much you would have heard good news. Because she would have heard this rabbi is different to any rabbi you've ever heard of before. He is healing everybody that the Pharisees say are unclean. He's healing the lepers, unclean. He's healing the prostitutes, they're unclean. He's healing everybody. Now the Pharisees were telling them, God made you sick to punish you and curse you because of your sin under the law. And Jesus was healing everybody. We prayed for a lady in, in Reading, London, who was completely crippled. I'm not saying she could get out the wheelchair and walk a few steps. She'd been in that wheelchair for years. Her legs were like ropes of sand and she had, she, she totally crippled on, on her way to death. We prayed for her, Glenda and I, as long as, and she got out the wheelchair and, and, and walked and then started running. 
and it's just a phenomenal miracle. But I, I, just, I started interviewing her in front of all of these British people. And, and she said, you know what? I've, I've, I've been full of bitterness for many, many years, decades. At a young man who pushed me in the swimming pool and it caused neck problems and then all the degradation that happened. And I said, well, and so you're telling me that you were full of bitterness and unforgiveness and Jesus still healed you? She said, yeah, yeah. I said, sounds like the Jesus I know. I can't stand this introspective self-analysis paralysis where people say, have you, have you been in the cults before? Have you sinned in this area? Have you got ancestry curses? Have you, and it's just this, you know, look at Jesus, not look at all the stuff. I said, do you forgive him now? She said, oh, yes, definitely. I said, isn't that because all those thousands of people Jesus was healed, you're telling me they're all holy and good and all forgiving, forgiving people? No, he just heals people because of the power of receptivity. If they will receive, he'll do it. He couldn't do, it, couldn't do much in his hometown because they're just offended at him, jealous of him. So there he could do no mighty works. But most of the places he went to, everyone got healed. Can you say Amen. Because he would help them to be receptive just by, anyway, his reputation. So she touched him. She said, I'll just go. She thought to herself, I'll just touch him. Now, what you think produces your faith. The church doesn't have a faith problem. It has a thought problem. Amen? Do you know gravity is the, is the force that pulls you down? And gravity is caused by what's spinning at the center of the earth. Whatever's spinning at the center of your mind and your thinking, if it's the wrong thoughts, it's going to pull you down. But you just change the way you think, and you can rise into other realms. And she thought, if I just touch him, I will be healed. And what she didn't realize, the power of God's tangible. She wasn't allowed to touch him. She had an issue of blood. She shouldn't have been in a public place. She was breaking the law of Moses. She was stealing the healing from Jesus. She didn't ask for it. She just went and stole it. She shouldn't be in a public place. She went up, crept up behind him, touched him, and she felt virtue come into her body and immediately. See, I, I, I know the power of the anointing. If, if I could just get more people to receive what, I, what I'm loaded with, we'd see more people healed. Yeah. And, we'd, and if you get a little touch of the anointing, the cancer shrinks a bit, but then it might grow back. But you get a lot of it, it'll just, it'll just fry it, it'll nuke it. People think it's magic. They think healing's magic. It's not. It's a perfect science. It's just a flow of the Spirit. It's not difficult to get people healed. It's difficult to get them to be receptive because the Western world has taught us to be locked up in our heads. And Hong Kong people also locked up in their heads because of Confucian, Confucius teaching. So we've got to help them to move and relate to God from their spirit. So we can get spirit-to-spirit communication. And this anointing will flow into your spirit and then flow over your soul, heal your soul, and heal your physical body. And we get enough in quickly, you get healed quickly. And it's not just for healing too. There's going to be impartation for ministry. Many of you after today, you're going to find when you lay hands on the sick, there's a greater level operating your life. Amen? It's okay just to waffle around like this. Linda, would you please come and take my jacket? Hallelujah. Sorry. But what she didn't realize when she felt that power come into her body, she didn't realize the power of God's tangible and that Jesus would feel it leave him. The people in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You lay hands on someone's receptive and you feel like, 
out of your hands. You can feel it. Like sometimes it's just like, like you just you just hardly got your hand up and they, they, they're gone. And you can literally feel the outflow of divine virtue and power. It's the most wonderful feeling. And then I know, oh, that fire has gone out like a heat, heat-seeking missile and it knows exactly where to go. Some people think, oh, this is what I need healing and that gets healed. And there's other areas I weren't thinking of that also get healed. It's that simple. Jesus said, someone touched me. He felt virtue go out of him. And the little lady come up in fear and trembling and said, it's me. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Which is actually means your faith. He said, shalom. He said, peace. Which means nothing missing, nothing broken. In other words, economically she would be restored. 12 years of suffering. Jesus didn't pray for her. She stole the healing. It's the highest level of receptivity I've ever seen. Some people lay hands on them and you just think, oh, please take it. Please. And it's like half an hour. So where I, was, I was somewhere recently and I, just, I was coaching leaders. It took me like hours, three hours praying, coaching people one by one, five, ten minutes per person, coaching them. I said, no, no you're pulling from your head now. You stopped receiving. You started in your spirit. I could feel the, I feel virtue going out of me, but now you're back in your head. And then the moment they started pulling from their spirit, I said, I know now. How do I know now? How do I know you're receiving now? They said, I don't know, but I am. I said, because I could feel it leaving me. Amen. Now, please don't misunderstand this. Sometimes great miracles happen without people feeling anything. Those are called authority commands. In the name of Jesus, take up your bed and walk. There's an authoritative command. But the tangible flow of the anointing is awesome. So let me close with this. If you wet your finger and you stick it into an open electrical socket, you will realize that electricity is tangible. It's transmittable. And it's detectable and discernible to your senses comes to you amen the anointing is heavenly materiality it's tangible the glory is heavenly materiality and you can't get in the realm of the glory unless you know the realm of the blood and the anointing and you can't get in the realm of the four dimensions of the love of Christ unless you know the realm of the glory you can't go to that realm where God does exceedingly abundant. The measure of all of his fullness has now been manifest. All the fullness of God's already in us, but the measure of all the fullness of God starts manifesting through us. And that's when you look at people and just look at them and they heal. And I've had that a few times. You just look at them with faith and they just heal. We're going to see, listen, I want to live long enough. I don't want to live like 280 because that could be, that's, I don't want to do that. I just want to finish my race and then go home to be with Jesus. I want to stay here with Linda as long as she wants me as well. But, <laughs> but I do want to live enough to see that fifth realm on the earth because I've been waiting since 1979 or 1981. That's when I had my first dramatic encounter with the anointing. I want to see the church. I want to see secular humanistic atheists on their faces saying how arrogant we've been. We've raised children. We've infected the schools, the universities with crap. 
impersonal time plus impersonal chance plus impersonal matter in an impersonal way producing personal complexities thus contradicting the second law of thermodynamics. That's describing the stupidity of atheism. It's a blind faith religion. Christianity is not a blind faith. It's not a blind leap into the dark. It's an intelligent step into the light. The reality of God is self-evident. You'll feel electricity. You'll feel it. You will shake. Your teeth will rattle. Your curly hair will go straight. Your eyeballs will turn around. Now that's just electricity. It's just natural. That's the natural. Electricity is transferable, but it will not be conducted through certain metals. It's only conductible through certain metals. You can't just think God's going to do magic and break his own laws and principles of his universe. Occasionally he does that. He stops the sun. But most of the time, you have to partner and align with how he flows. A miracle is never an accident because someone aligned with how he flows, how he rolls. There's no mystery about miracles. Now I can tell you something else about electricity. Electricity has no bias, no prejudice. It's not racist. It says, no, no, electricity never says, no, I saw you sin yesterday, so I'm not going to, I'm not electrocuting you. It doesn't matter if you're heterosexual or homosexual. I'm not talking about endorsing any behaviors now. I'm just talking about anybody who goes and touches electricity, you're going to get shocked. It will flow tangibly because you're plugged in. The same thing with the power of God. It'll just heal anybody. No matter what color skin you are, what language you are, what your gender preference and all the confusion, it'll probably shock you into some integrity and authenticity and deliverance. You know, if you've got 81 genders right now, then maybe some people just need a shock. (laughs) And just know what you are. Amen. It's not judgmental. I'm just saying that lady forgave after she came out the wheelchair. I'm not saying, you know what I'm not saying. The power of God. Now, this is the thing. This is what I'm looking for today. She, that little lady, is one of my heroes because she did something no one had ever done before. I didn't think she had even read the Bible. She didn't know that Elisha's coat, you know, when Elisha took Elijah's coat that got a double portion anointing, he slapped the river, it parted, and blah, 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 blah. I don't think she knew anything about the transferability that when Elisha died, his bones were in an open grave and someone threw a dead person on it by mistake because they were frightened and they touched the bones of a dead prophet and the power was still residue in the very bones of an old covenant prophet and raise the dead? If the bones of an old covenant prophet has got enough power still in the residue there, surely the church should know the power of the blood, the wealth and the blood, the wealth and the anointing, the wealth and the glory, the wealth and the four dimensions of the love of Christ and the wealth of the measure of all of his fullness. Surely, surely, surely we have to move into this fifth realm for the sake of the world, for the sake of New Zealand. There's some such beautiful, lost unbelievers out there, New Zealanders, beautiful people. If they could be exposed to this realm, they would just get saved. You can't intellectually argue people into the kingdom. People don't have an intellectual problem. They've got a heart problem. 
They've got an Adamic problem. But when they feel the presence of last Adam, and they realize he's not prejudiced. Anyone can touch him. So she got it by touching him. Now, there were, I'm finished in one minute, okay? So you don't believe me, but I am. She had, he had hundreds and hundreds of people touch. The Bible says in Mark 5, the throng was thronging around. The crowd was crowded. They were all touching him. They wanted something from him, but they couldn't get it out of him. Because they were touching him with curiosity, maybe hope without substance. Nothing was flowing from him. But a lady with issue of blood, she touched him. Now, I don't know how it transacted after that, but the next chapter, the very next chapter, Mark chapter 6, says right at the end of that chapter that whenever Jesus arrived, they would run around, get all the cripples and sick people and lay them in the streets that as Jesus walked by, they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made all. What did that prove? That all those people touching him in the chapter before that got nothing from him, that wasn't the will of God. They just didn't know how to receive. Now the will of God's revealed. All who touched him, like that little lady touched him, she touched him with faith and she made a demand on the power. Jesus didn't say, I've got a word of knowledge. There's a lady here. You've had an issue of blood for 12 years. And I just tell you that in the computer banks in heaven, your lucky numbers come up. And hallelujah, where are you, lady? Come out here. And she comes out and he prayed for it. No, it didn't happen like that. She stole the healing from him because she had the right thoughts about Jesus. And she broke the power. She broke the power of gravity. The right thoughts produce faith. Faith produces conviction, conviction produces attitude, and attitude produces perception, and perception produces behavior. You want to change people's behavior, don't start with the law. Start with how people think. It'll break the gravitational pull, and you enter into the unlimited realm. Who wants to, who wants to see the church go into that fifth realm? Well, let's, 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 let's be conscious every day about the blood, the anointing, Let's, let's sometimes understand that certain songs will not release the glory. Certain songs that are praised as declaration about the great acts of God and our mighty God is, those are declarations and it releases the actions of the anointing. But when you start singing the great anthems of the majesty of his nature and the glory of his being, this holy almighty God, when you sing those songs, you move from anointing into the realms of glory. There's no more boppy boppy stuff, which is all fun in the right place. But the church needs, needs to have revelation of the blood. And then when we praise God, it's through freedom and we are declaring. We don't sing about ourselves. We sing about how great he is. Amen. Because we keep singing about ourselves and this nostalgic, sentimental thing. It doesn't bring anointing. It just brings a nice vibe. But when you sing about his great power and who he is and you can dance and rave and shout and clap unto God, we are, we are magnifying God in praise and the anointing becomes like something clothing the house and then the garment of praise comes over the house and then step into the realms of the glory. And no longer are we singing about God and his mighty acts. Now we're singing to God about who he is. And the glory comes and the angelic realm comes. Anybody sitting in their chair can just touch them. Wow. That's what I want all the time. I have it by myself every day. 
and I want to enjoy it more and more. Catherine, won't you come help me? Please. Just close your eyes and just say, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to receive. Thank you for my head. Thank you for my brain. Thank you for this organ in my head. When you die, you'll leave your brain behind. And everything who you are will still remember and be intelligent in heaven and, and know who you are. Your brain's just an organ to contact the natural world. But your brain cannot contact God. Only your spirit can. And if, if anything today, I hope you've learned this, to transition your walk with God from your brain to your spirit. And the way your mind gets renewed is what's in, revealed in your spirit rises up in consciousness and changes the pattern of thinking. Revelation, encounters with God. Just lift your hands for a moment and just say, Lord, thank you, faith is not passive. It's an active substance. It, it puts a demand on the things that God's already made available. I love what Andrew Warmack says. Faith does not move God. God's already moved in the cross fully. Faith responds to what God's already done. We're not trying to move you, God. You've already moved in Christ Jesus on the cross. Our faith is putting a demand on what you've already done. And we honor you with all of our heart. We bless you, Lord, with the realms of glory that are increasing in this place this afternoon.